0: Welcome to Current Radio's politics station. Please enjoy today's selection of political news. Let's delve into the recent developments in the relations between Armenia and Azerbaijan. It seems like they're taking steps towards normalization, which is a significant shift, isn't it, Abby?
1: Indeed, Michael. After decades of conflict over Nagorno-Karabakh, this is a breath of fresh air. They're not just talking about exchanging prisoners of war, but also working towards a peace treaty. It's a move that's been welcomed by both the EU and the US.
0: It's a historical chance, as they put it, to achieve long-awaited peace in the region. And it's not just words. They're taking concrete actions, like Baku releasing 32 Armenian prisoners of war and Yerevan releasing two Azerbaijani servicemen.
1: Exactly. And it's not just about resolving the past, but also building a future. They've agreed to continue discussions regarding the implementation of more confidence-building measures. This is a significant shift from the mutual distrust that's been prevalent until now. But Michael, what are your thoughts on Armenia's decision to back Azerbaijan's bid for COP29?
0: That's an interesting point, Abby. It's a big step, considering the fact that countries have been unable to agree on a European host for for the 2024 climate talks. There's been a lot of vetoing and rejecting bids, but Armenia stepping back and supporting Azerbaijan's bid is a strong signal of their intention to normalize relations.
1: It certainly is. And it's not just about the climate talks. We're also seeing a willingness to engage in diplomatic discussions. Yerevan has responded positively to U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken's offer to organize a meeting of the foreign ministers of Armenia and Azerbaijan in Washington.
0: Right, and it's not just the U.S. that's involved. The EU has been mediating normalization talks between the two countries as well. Prime Minister Pashinyan and President Aliyev have met on several occasions for these talks. It's been a slow process, but it seems like we're seeing some progress now.
1: True, but there have been bumps along the road. Remember the talks that were planned in the U.S. on November 20? Azerbaijan refused to participate, citing Washington's biased position. And let's not forget when Aliyev declined to attend a round of negotiations with Pashinyan in Spain, accusing France of bias.
0: Yes, but the fact that they're now agreeing to take steps towards normalization is a significant development. It's a testament to the power of diplomacy and dialogue. And while there's a long road ahead, this is a promising start. Wouldn't you agree, Abby?
1: I couldn't agree more, Michael. This commitment represents an important confidence-building measure as they work towards a peace agreement. And as we've seen in the past, these initial steps can pave the way for more substantial progress in the future.
0: Speaking of international relations and the power of diplomacy, let's shift our focus from the Caucasus to Eastern Europe. The situation in Ukraine is escalating, and the U.S.'s role in it is coming under scrutiny. From the potential collapse of U.S.'s lifeline of arms and ammunition to Ukraine to the possible impact on U.S. domestic politics, this crisis has far-reaching implications. Abby, let's delve into the escalating crisis in Ukraine and the U.S.'s role in it. There's a real danger that the U.S.'s lifeline of arms and ammunition to Ukraine could collapse, and the implications of that are...
1: They're vast, Michael. We're talking about shaking the foundation of U.S. global leadership, alienating allies, and potentially emboldening America's
0: sworn enemies. Exactly. And it's not just about international relations. This is also a domestic issue. Some hardline Republicans are advocating for cutting Ukraine loose, using President Biden's new $60 billion aid request as leverage for concessions on immigration policy.
1: This is an example of domestic politics potentially compromising national security priorities the Republicans' refusal to raise the government's borrowing authority back in May is another. It's a trend that's worrying, to say the least.
0: And it's not just about Ukraine. This could have far-reaching implications. If the U.S. allows a country to be crushed in an illegal invasion, it could raise questions about the credibility of defense and strategic agreements that underpin the entire Western world. It could even increase the possibility that Putin could target other states once in the orbit of the former Soviet Union.
1: And let's not forget about the message this sends to other authoritarians like Putin and Chinese President Xi Jinping. It could suggest that smaller adversaries can be crushed with impunity and that there are rewards for geopolitical gangsterism. It's a dangerous precedent to set.
0: Absolutely. But there's another side to this. Supporters of extending billions more dollars in aid to Ukraine need to explain why it is in the interests of every American to continue. This is especially the case as many voters struggle with high grocery prices and interest rates and wonder why a war on the edge of Europe is their business.
1: And that's where the Republican position in the showdown has political potency. They're arguing that if Biden can't control U.S. borders, why is he trying to save Ukraine's? It's a powerful argument, but it's also a dangerous game to play with the fate of a nation hanging in the balance.
0: And this isn't just about Ukraine. The U.S. is confronting the implications of a rising China in Asia. If the U.S. appears to desert its friends, it could change Beijing's calculations as it weighs whether to use military force to capture Taiwan. And that could
1: prompt allies in the region and in the Middle East to doubt their security guarantees and consider whether to seek their own nuclear safety net. The stakes are incredibly high, Michael. This isn't just about today. It's about the future of international relations and the balance of power in the world.
0: And at the heart of it all is a deep philosophical clash over America's role in the world. It's a clash that's likely to continue well beyond the current impasse over Ukraine funding. It's a taste of a long-running national feud to come.
1: And it's a feud that could have devastating consequences for people on the ground in Ukraine. They're enduring two years of carnage and atrocities, all because they want the right to choose their nation's destiny and leaders. If Washington turns its back, it could stain American leadership for decades.
0: From the intense geopolitical struggles in Ukraine, let's now take a leap across the globe to South Korea. It seems the political scene there is getting a shakeup from an unexpected source, An American doctor is making a surprising entry into the country's ruling party. Let's delve into this intriguing development. Let's shift gears here and head to South Korea, where an American doctor, John Linton, is stirring up the political scene. Abby, what's the scoop?
1: Well, Michael, it's certainly an unusual case. Linton, who's never held office, is leading a political reboot of South Korea's ruling party. He's not shy about his unique position saying, I'm outwardly, you know, a white guy, a Caucasian.
0: That's fascinating. It's not often you see someone with no political experience, let alone someone from a different country, stepping up to reshape a nation's political landscape. What do we know about his approach?
1: Well, the details are still emerging, but it's clear that Linton's outsider perspective is both a challenge and an advantage. He can provide fresh insights and innovative ideas, But at the same time, he needs to navigate the intricacies of South Korean politics and culture.
0: I can imagine. It's one thing to understand a country's politics as an observer, but it's a whole different ballgame when you're in the heart of it and trying to affect change. And being an American, he's got his work hewed.
1: Cut out for him, absolutely. But it's not unprecedented for individuals from different backgrounds to make significant contributions in politics. Take Arnold Schwarzenegger, for instance. He was an actor and bodybuilder before becoming the governor of California.
0: That's a great point, Abby. It'll be intriguing to see how Linton's journey unfolds and whether his efforts will bring about a new era in South Korean politics.
1: Indeed, Michael. It's a reminder that politics isn't confined to career politicians. It's about people, ideas, and the will to make a difference. And sometimes the most unexpected individuals can bring about the most significant changes.
0: From one political landscape to another, let's turn our attention back to the United States. As we've just discussed, it's not only career politicians who can make a significant impact, but it seems our political climate is facing some serious challenges of its own. Let's delve into a rather disturbing trend that's been emerging recently. Let's now discuss a rather disturbing trend that's been emerging in American politics. Abby, have you seen the recent CNN investigation into the threats facing lawmakers?
1: Yes, it's deeply troubling. The fact that public servants are receiving death threats is not only alarming, but it's also indicative of a larger issue in our political climate.
0: It's certainly a cause for concern. It's gotten so bad that the Department of Justice is now getting involved. But what I'm wondering is, What's driving these individuals to make such threats? Is it just the polarized state of our politics or?
1: I think it's more than just polarization, Michael. There's a level of dehumanization that's happening where officials are viewed as symbols rather than people. And that's when things can get dangerous.
0: That's an interesting point, Abby. And it's not just the threats themselves. It's the chilling effect they have on our democracy. These threats can deter potential candidates and stifle political debate.
1: Absolutely. And speaking of stifling debate, have you noticed the recent comments from Chris Christie? He said he's sick and tired of fellow candidates' behavior. It seems like there's a growing frustration within the ranks.
0: Yes, and it's not just Christie. There's been a lot of tension within the GOP. For instance, the recent attacks on Nikki Haley by Vivek Ramaswamy, which Christie called out as inappropriate,
1: And then there's the situation with Governor DeSantis. CNN recently called him out for a particular comment he made. It seems like the political discourse is becoming more heated and less focused on actual policy issues.
0: Right? And it's not just happening on a national level. Even in Iowa, voters are weighing in on the latest GOP debate performance. It seems like the public is becoming more aware and critical of this kind of behavior.
1: Which is a good thing, right? because it's only through public engagement and holding officials accountable that we can hope to see a change in this trend. But it's a complex issue, and it's going to take time to...
0: Right, Abby. It's a difficult problem, but one that needs to be addressed if we want to maintain a healthy democracy. The threats, the infighting, the lack of civil discourse, it all paints a rather grim picture of our current political landscape.